Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show, yourselves to the, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Bola. Good morning, everyone. Um, okay, so for, for those of us who have been coming for a while, you'd, you'd know that we're doing a series as we've uh, started the church in, in January. And what we're trying to do is to f- look at the person of Jesus Christ. We're saying Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation of the church. So where else should you start with? Than with Jesus. And quite often, because we are very, very familiar, you know, the wives here will be wondering why their husbands don't find them that special again. The more you get, you know, as you say, familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes what we think we know, or who we think we know, we actually need to look at again. And so if we want to be a church that is honoring to the Lord, it makes sense for us to see the person of Jesus. But it's not just seeing the person of Jesus that matters. When we see Jesus, we actually see ourselves. And so we've been doing this series where we've been going through the book of John, and we are trying to look at the person of Jesus. John says that the purpose of writing his book is that you would know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, but that if you believe that, you would also have eternal life in him. And so we said it's believe and live. So this is our sixth, um, uh, I don't want to say sixth installment, but this is the sixth sermon that's going to be on that passage, and on this on this series, and now we are in the seventh chapter of John. All right. So let me start with this. I don't know how many of you are huge fans, but Big Brother Niger is here. Am I getting any woo? 
I know what's happening. You know how Big Brother is one of those, you know, those, those secrets that you can't really tell. You can't actually admit outside that you watch Big Brother. But many of us go in and go and check what's going on there. And, you know, you sit down and be like, ah, these two people, what kind of stupid show is this? And you'll be there for two hours. Can you imagine? Look at what they're doing. Big Brother is here. I remember when at least it hit Nigeria. This was 2001, the South African one. Uh, but it started in, 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 the, in the Netherlands in 1999. Since then, there have been over 387 seasons of Big Brother all around in 54 countries and regions. 387. Just think about that. Now, what's it based on? It's based on really the George Orwell's uh, novel, 1984, where you can actually, there's a Big Brother that can see the things that are going on everywhere. So, as viewers, we are invited into this house, as it, as, uh, if you can call it that. And there, there are housemates, and these housemates are meant to be living an a very, very ordinary life. They have no means of communication with the outside world, but we, the viewers, are big brother. Big brother, the all-seeing eye that can see everything that is going on there. Now, the most captivating of these housemates becomes a fan's favorite. They attain fame subsequent to leaving the house. All harmless entertainment, isn't it? Now, see, Big Brother points us to, there are many things, many studies that have been done on Big Brother, but I can say at least it points us to one thing, uh, not the only thing, but at least to one thing. How do we as human beings interact with fame? How do we interact with fame? That is, both the people who are famous and the, same, and the people who make them famous. How do we interact with fame? Now, in our social media age, the ability to get famous, no matter how short-lived it is, and the quest and admiration for fame, uh, the quest and admiration that we have for famous people, irrespective of how they get that fame or how they've attained to it, we've probably never had it this large, uh, this huge. It's never been this heightened. Now, I say that irrespective of how they, get, they got it. Some of us will have seen videos of a former governor of Delta State uh, last week, you know, and he came in. Forget the triumphant, triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. This was something else, right? Now, whether you like the man or not, he's a convicted person, and people will ask, what is the, what's the basis of actually, you know, that kind of entry? But, you know, he is famous. In Lake Elder's, um, well, the, the company, not him, but the, 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 they, re, they release this state of church report every year. And in the 2016 report, they were considering those who are most influential to the South Christ, well, the, to the globally, so, uh, the, the not globally, nationally, the youth of Nigeria. Now, the southwest region where we are as Lagos, they asked them, who are the people that are most influential in your life? The most influential, and these are Christians, right? Youth, young Christians. The most influential people in their lives. By a margin, by a significant margin, the number one was entertainers. After entertainers was business moguls, Next to those were bloggers and journalists. And then after that, you had pastors. So I read that and I thought, I am definitely in the wrong job. All right? So again, all these are very famous people. You have entertainers, you have business moguls, and then you have uh, bloggers and, you know, celebrity bloggers and all those things. These are the people that are influencing our minds more than at any time that you can ever see. Before you then say, oh, yes, I'll need a spiritual guide as well. 
So the question then becomes, how well are we doing with this possession of fame or the craving and the loss for fame? How well are we doing with it? Now, in the previous chapter of this particular reading that we had, chapter 6, we start seeing that Jesus is becoming some kind of rock star. Right in verse 2, it says, The great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. After that, there was this huge thing that we all know as the feeding of the 5,000. He fed 5,000 people. The next day, people were looking for him. Verse 24 of chapter 6. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. They were looking for him. Sort of like when you used to see Michael Jackson, he goes to this hotel. No, he's not here, but they get word that he's actually in this other one. All the fans start running. This is what Jesus Christ was doing. He was a rock star, very famous person. Now, I bring that to say that the issue of dealing with fame is not something that is just contemporary in our social media age. Jesus Christ had to deal with it. And I think that what Jesus offers us and the discussion that we can find here and how we can think about fame, he offers us something that is unique you can't get anywhere else. It all starts with a family discussion. Jesus and his brothers, as we, as we had in, uh, in the reading. And so what I want us to do is just let's, like big brother, dip into this family discussion and find out what Jesus Christ would tell us about how we handle fame. So we want to look at that in three points. Fame's allure, fame's curse, and fame's redemption. Fame's allure, fame's curse, and fame's Redemption. By the way, if you want the title, the title is Rethinking Fame. All right, so let's think through our first point. Now, if we look in verse 2, we find that the setting is, well, Jesus was in Galilee in verse 1, but in verse 2, in, 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 in verse two there was a Jewish festival of tabernacles that was near. It was close by. Now, the Jews had three major festivals in the year. The festival of Passover, the festival of uh, Pentecost, or the festival of weeks. And then the final one is the festival of tabernacles. Now, this one was the biggest one. This one happens after harvest. This one is, you know, the festival of all festivals, if you like. Now, what would happen is, remember they said Jesus was in Galilee. So, if you think of Palestine in Jesus' time, one region towards the north is Galilee. After that, you come a bit to the south, you then have Samaria. After that, you then have the region of Judea. So Judea, where you have Bethlehem, where you have Bethany. And then you have the capital, Jerusalem. After that, you then have Edom. So Jesus is in Galilee. And everybody during this festival, if you're a Jew, you come from diaspora, and you're all coming towards Jerusalem, where we're going to celebrate this feast. Now, Jesus' brothers thought, this guy is growing in popularity. But he's doing it in Galilee. So why don't you go to Judea and let them see the works they are doing? In other words, Jesus' brothers were saying, Guy, you are famous, but you are still a local champion. You know, you've been doing some things. They recognize you around. Abba is not a bad market. But if you really want to make it and be somebody, you have to go to Lagos. And that's essentially what his brothers were saying. He says, no one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Now, it's not that he's been acting. He's just fed 5,000 people. But they're saying that your platform, your platform is too small. Expand your horizon. Think big. Let's go to Jerusalem. Now, this makes perfect logical sense if you're operating out of a certain worldview. 
If we think about what Jesus Christ brothers were saying, you can think about it syllogistically in these four statements. Everyone wants to be famous. That's the worldview. That's one. Two, Jesus is part of everyone. Three, Jesus has the skills to be famous. Four, so he should maximize his potential for fame success by parading to the largest possible audience. Some PR advice, wouldn't you say? Right? It makes sense. They are not operating out of a worldview. This is the logic that would flow. If you want to be famous and you actually have these skills to be famous, then why are you doing it in this small place? Here is an opportunity where everybody is gathered. You can parade yourself to the world. It says, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. So, why do they, like us, make the assumption that surely he would want to be famous? Why start with that worldview? Well, we can say one thing for certain. Fame is alluring. Or fame is very seductive. Now, think about it this way. If you are well known in our society and in this society and in many cities of the world, if you are well known, you are offered a life of wealth, Connections, power, influence, and adoration. Now, in our society, all of these things are valued. So, if you possess these things that are valued in our society, then it means that you have value. To possess the things that are valued means that you yourself are valuable. Fame is very seductive because fame tells you that you are somebody. And nobody wants to be a nobody. Now, a lot of famous people, when you read some of their interviews, the thing that, they, that haunts them the most, the thing that drives them the most, is a fear of going back into not being known, a lack of notoriety. In fact, in our society, we scoff at people who have ordinary powers, you know, mundane. You, no one really knows you. We call it mediocrity. And who wants to be mediocre, do you? Some of us have felt the rush, even though we don't have a huge platform, right? You have 350 followers on Facebook. You carefully pass that quote, or you perfectly give that nice pout for that picture, right? Everything is set, and the next thing is that wonderful button, share. You post it. You put the phone down. You pretend like you're going to wash place or something. Ah, man. Ah, did somebody call me? What happened? And then you pick the phone. Ah, there's no phone call. Facebook. Ah, notifications. Two likes. Only two. Latin call. <laughs> we know the rush. My wife once had, um, there was someone that uh, uh, wrote to her after it was his birthday, and she hadn't spoken to this guy in years. But she, I think she reached out to him or he reached out to her. And then later, the guy now writes a few minutes later, and by the way, thank you for not, for not wishing me happy birthday as every other person has. Like, now, wow. I apologize if I didn't wish you happy birthday on Facebook, all right? We'll get a belated birthday. But we know the rush of having yet another like. We know the rush of having yet another retweet. We know the rush of yet another follower. Basically, we are saying that if they like and they follow, and they retweet, we are famous. And if I'm famous, I am somebody. 
Now, this has also led to this phenomenon that we call celebrity. Now, if you take the root word of celebrity, it means to be celebrated by something. But the concept now of celebrity is this whole thing about being famous for just being famous, right? It is notoriety that we get, not because you have a particular skill or a particular gift, but because of physical appearance or a particular controversial thing you've done or a lifestyle that you live or a connection to another celebrity. So like I hear about the wedding between um, two people, and they said the wedding between Kanu's brother and Linda Ikeji's sister. <laughs> Kanu's brother and Linda Ikeji's sister. Do they have names? Who cares? We know who actually has the names, the famous people. How insulting is that? I remember years, I don't really good, but back in the days when we used to read Ovation, remember Ovation, Ovation magazine? Very sleek, very wonderful looking, you know, very, it was just so nice. And then you go through these pictures, and you see a, maybe a particular uh, party was going on, and then you see, okay, Daisy Danjuma was there, and this other person was there, and, and a friend. <laughs> right? And some other people, you actually see them there, what is their title? Oh, we see the, ah, um, kind of one called the footballer, the former uh, Super Eagles player, um, Aliko Dangote, the, the business mogul, and um, let me just call her name, uh, Titi Olawale, a socialite. She is famous. Why? She doesn't have any skill. She doesn't have anything to repeat, but we know that she is always at over and best, right? She is a socialite. She is famous, and she becomes famous just really because she is Famous. In other words, we feed in from this thing that says there is nothing, PR people will tell you, there is nothing like bad publicity. Publicity is always good publicity. This is why Jesus' brothers were saying, look, um, or Jesus told his brother, he said, for you, any time will do. It doesn't matter whether it's the right time or the wrong time. The right time, the good time is always any time. As long as people are talking about you, so if you look at verse 12, where it says, among the crowds there was widespread whispering, widespread whispering about him. Some said he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives people. Jesus' brothers will say, whether they think you're a good man or a bad man, it doesn't really matter. They shall know about you. This is the worldview that fame, or the kind of fame that we all are, well, I don't want to say we all are, but it's part and parcel of our society today. Unfortunately, then, when famous people do certain things, you hear the kind of, when you, if you want to debate it, like a few, I remember a few um, years ago, or maybe a year ago, uh, but quite recently, the, the most famous person for being famous in the world, you probably know her name, starts with a K. She's been to Nigeria, right? Kim Kardashian had this um, um, uh, photo shoot, a nude photo shoot that she did, and you could hear people talking, and you say, well, is it good? I'm, I'm talking about, I think I was here in Nigeria. That is it good for her to do it? And some people were saying, whether it's good or it's not good, you can't say it's good. At least, at the end of the day, it works for her. So we suspend moral judgment, or we suspend objective moral judgment. We create a new moral framework, and the moral framework is, good is fame. Bad is mediocrity, or not to be known. After all, who doesn't want to be famous? Now, should we accept this worldview? Or are there reasons to look at it and say, this possibly is not 
the best way to go with. Now let's take our second point, which is fame's curse. Fame's curse. Now let's think about the curse of fame two, two, in two ways. One with the fans, and then the issue of the others, the, the people who actually have the fame. When we think of fans, we can think about the problem of fame in two ways. One is hero worship. The other one is fickleness. Hero worship or fickleness. What's the problem of just living for publicity's sake? Now, when it comes to the fans, you have these things where what, 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 who ultimately are fans? Fans that love celebrities for the sake of loving them and would do anything for their celebrities. They are ultimately people who otherwise will be mediocre, will love the fame that this celebrity has, and so they plug into that celebrity. In other words, they try to live their life through that famous person. They look at their hopes, their aspirations, their dreams through somebody who is actually bearing it, and so they feel that they should be plugged to that person. Now, what does this lead to? It leads to obsession. Quite frankly, obsession, right? MJ walks into the room. He's not done anything. He could do this, and the girl just falls. Or you could just, you know this kind of, you're in a concert, there are 2,000 people there, and then he just says, uh, MJ, I love you. And he says, I love you back. I just say, ah. He doesn't know you. He's never met you. But the mere fact that your idol has actually, in some way, connected to you, actually throws you off feet. There's a kind of obsession that comes with it. And that obsession is because you've moved from just being a human being to a godlike figure in that person's life. The problem for you, if you are seen as a godlike person, is one, you can think like you are omnipotent, and now we ask our entertainers to speak to in, from everything from politics to law to activism, human rights, and religion. Right? If you, want, if you ever want to just, just listen to any radio station early in the morning on Sunday, and you hear the kind of pop theology that is coming up there. But you see, these people are famous, and so they can tell you everything that has to do with the Bible. If you think, if you absorb that whole God-life figure, that's the way you will think. Another way you can think is you start to feel like you're a fraud. On the one hand, if you believe the hype that your obsessive followers are actually putting on you, you will start to be, think that you're a God and you know everything. On the other hand, if you feel you cannot match up to those expectations, you start behaving or start thinking that you are a fraud. Another problem from the from standpoint of fans is this fickleness. In, in chapter 6 again, Jesus has fed the 5,000. And after he's fed the 5,000, they're looking for him. All the people are coming around. So Jesus said, you know what? Five, feeding 5,000 was really good, right? But let me show you that you guys actually came back. You came back not because of the thing, it was the sign that you saw. You came back really because you wanted to have a good sandwich. Tuna sandwich isn't bad, isn't it? Right? It was very, very nice. You guys ate tuna sandwich till you are, fill, you are filled up. You don't have food at home. And so now you're looking out for me. So why don't we do this? Let's talk a bit of theology. And so Jesus starts talking about the fact that he's the bread of life. If we don't eat him, if we don't drink his blood and all those kind of things. And he says that from verse 60. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And whether his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
They didn't what, follow him. Fans can be very, very fickle. Two weeks ago, this thing was building up. There was going to be a hashtag. There was going to be uh, this hashtag protest. And the person leading it, maybe our most famous pop musician, out of, as far as I can tell, and please don't judge me here, but as far as I can tell, he was doing it for good motives. Two-faced, right? After that, the guy cancels it. He cancels it because he's been briefed. Some people say he was beaten. Some people, whatever. The man cancels it. Now, we can, whatever our opinions on that is, I don't think what happened in the aftermath, the kind of vitriolic response, the kind of abuse, the kind of curses that that guy had to face because of people just impugning his character, saying many different things, he did not deserve that. But do you know the same people who are actually doing that? The people who used to sing his praises were now the people that had turned against him. Fans can be very, very fickle. You see, Jesus' brothers supposedly wanted Jesus to be famous. That's why, notice what his brother said. He says, no one, verse 4 again, no one wants to be a public figure asking secrets. Since you are doing these things, what are the these things that Jesus is doing? Well, that's what John has been calling signs. What John, the apostle, has been calling signs, his, brother call, his brothers call these things. Now, why is that important? As we've been saying, when John has been talking about the miracles that Jesus did, he's saying that these are signs pointing to something about the identity of Jesus. His brothers are seeing the things that he's doing, and they're saying, this guy wants to be a public figure. They see it as some kind of magic, some kind of trick, some kind of, you know, it's nice, you know, but we still know you're still our brother. Maybe they even wanted him to be famous because of their own selves, right? Because then they can be the brother of Jesus, and that may open up some contracts to them. The point is that they didn't see it as the, as the signs of who Jesus truly was. They saw it as a means for something else. This is why in verse 5 he says this, For even his own brothers did not believe in him. The statement about why don't you go ahead and be famous shows that they didn't understand who Jesus truly was, and therefore could not really believe in him in this this person who is revealing God. Beware of stardom. Because the fans that you see here today are the same people that want to kill you tomorrow. Now let's think about from the standpoint of the person, the, the famous person, other person. And I want us to think in three, there are three challenges I want to um, um, put forward to us. But before that, I don't know if you've, has anybody here heard of the 27 Club? The 27 Club. Have you? No? Yeah, just one person. Who the 27 Club? 27 Club, names like Brian Jones, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain, and more recently, Amy Winehouse. Who are all these people? These were absolutely gifted, famous musicians. The first four I said, uh, really in the 60s to the early 70s. The latter two one in the 90s, and the other in 2011. Extremely gifted. Almost prodigious. But they all died at the age of 27. They achieved, I mean, at Kurt Cobain's um, height, maybe Nirvana was the biggest band in the whole world. Amy Winehouse was definitely the most talented person of our generation. 
Brian Jones was the guy that founded the Rolling Stones and put them together. Jimi Hendrix, still the greatest guitarist of all time. Who knows where Janis Joplin would have gone. Jim Morrison is still said to be, even though he died at 27, one of the most hundred uh, influential people in, 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 of, the last 20, of the 20th century. People who had huge amount of fame, couldn't handle it, died by the age of 27. And in those people's lives, you can see three steps that they actually went through with this issue of fame. And I want us to think about those three. One, addiction. Two, consumption. Three, destruction. And it almost goes in a sequential way. Addiction, consumption, and destruction. In, um, in John chapter, in, again, the previous chapter, I keep referring to that because that sets the context for this. But in verse 22 of chapter 6, it says, The next day, the crowd that stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with the disciples, but that, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. In other words... They kept looking for Jesus. He was so famous, they kept looking for him. Now, that's the standpoint of the fans. But actually, from the famous person, fame becomes like a drug. The adulation that the fans give you becomes something that you cannot do without. And far too often, because the adulation you got for today is not sustainable for the next day, and in fact, you need something that is even more you will do anything and everything to actually maintain that status. Unfortunately, many people then do unethical things to sustain that amount of fame. You can think about some of our politicians today, or sadly, some of our pastors today. The problem is that you can never do enough. The next time always requires the topping of your previous performance for fear of losing stardom. The haunt of mediocrity is always there, and so you need to keep topping up. After a while, this constant performance and accompanying adulation will run out of steam. You probably need something else. All of a sudden now, you perform for the fans, the 50,000 fans, and it doesn't mean anything. They cannot satisfy you again. And so what happens next? You turn to other things to satisfy you. Drinking, drugs, Sex, because all the other things could not satisfy. And that leads to this next point, which is consumption. You see, after working hard, what did you do? You, people told you many things about you. They said, when you do this thing, this is what it does to them. And so you kept working hard on, that, uh, on it. Eventually, you created another person. There was the you... The only day that we all know, your wife knows, your friends knew. And then after five years of swimming in this thing, there is now this other person. This person on the stage. And it's five, more, you hear this about a lot of stars, that maybe ten years after, they, you know, maybe they're doing a documentary, and maybe the boyhood friend or one of the cousins say, I don't know that person again. The person that is there, I don't know him. He is a different person. Now, many of these people are, are not saying that. Obviously, when you become a bit of, um, you become someone who 
many people are looking out for that. You can have the same amount of time for them. But say, no, there's something that's gone wrong with this person. He's built up so much of an identity, a different public identity. All of a sudden, he doesn't know the difference between his own self and that public identity until that public identity becomes him. Before, you were feeding the whole issue of fame, the addiction. You were feeding it, but now it's feeding on you. And that leads, can only lead to one other place, to destruction. This is where, unfortunately, many, this is why celebrity marriages, most times when two people get married in the celebrity, what do we do? We start the clock. Just waiting for when there's going to be a divorce. This is what happened to the 27 Club. Eventually, you start saying, I worry for this person. I worry for this person. I worry for this person. And Jesus knew this all too well. Even the way the thing started in verse 1, it says that he did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to what? Kill him. Eventually, the popularity and all those things when not handled well, eventually can only lead to one place, destruction. So what does this mean? Is it inherently wrong to be famous? Final point, fame's redemption. Now the answer is, no, it's not. In fact, we've already said that some people are going to be gifted, are going to be known because of certain things that they do. God grants them certain gifts. And so there's a difference between just being a celebrity and being someone of note. The question is, how then do we deal with it? How then do we redeem faith? How then do we appreciate, acknowledge people who are famous? Or how do we, if we have that kind of power, how do we handle it? You see, Jesus never sought fame for himself. We saw that in, uh, you can see that in verse 50 of chapter 8. I am not seeking glory for myself. The problem here was that they assumed that Jesus, the brothers, assumed this worldview and that Jesus also had this worldview. This worldview that he just wanted to be a public figure. The only reason why he had these things, all but the, after knowing that he had all these gifts that he had, there's only one way you can be going, that you want to be a public figure. Sometimes we pray for our children like that. Say, they'll know you more than I, they'll know me. Your name will be heard in the diaspora. Your head, name will be, isn't it? We pray for fame for fame's own sake. And Jesus is saying, hang on, no. In fact, in 6, uh, verse 14 and 15, when people were looking for him, he said, not until uh, 6, 14 to 15, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple court and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man, oh, wrong reference. Jesus actually, okay, no, the reference is still, is still to 6.22 to 24, where Jesus, after he knew that people would be looking for him, eventually started to take himself away. He would go into solitary places. Why? It's not that Jesus was totally running away from fame, but Jesus knew how to regulate and control his fame. If we don't know how to control some of the things we do, whether it's our social media presence, if we don't know how to rest, if we don't know how to pray, reflect, and give time to reflect, and just downright say no to some things, we'll be in danger of the public actually redefining us. Secondly, Jesus knew his mission. Even though 
part of it involved fame. Jesus knew that he came to the world for a particular thing. And that mission, again, stopped him from being under the tyranny of what everybody else thought. Do you have a mission in this life? Do you know definitely what you are called to do? I don't mean just your job. I mean how you think you exist in this life. If you don't, guess what? You'll just be open and just say, well, at the end of the day, everybody see, this is what happens with Big Brother. This is what happens with uh, Idol. Uh, what Idol? Is that Niger Idol? Is that? Yeah, Niger Idol. This is what happens with all of these shows. Again, not saying that people shouldn't express their gifts, but most times we don't think about any of these things. We just walk into it. The people get famous, all of a sudden they start running away from the fame. Now, Jesus is telling us basically this. Where people think that you must adopt the view that fame is what we all take or what we all want, Jesus is saying you don't have to adopt a worldview that says fame for its own sake. Or I am valued because I possess what is valued. Or I am nobody if nobody knows me. Now, the truth is that a lot of us already know this. We already do. I'm not telling you a new thing. But you still feel like our only salvation from mediocrity is to be famous. Or how else will anyone know, let me give you the Christian view, how else will anyone know that I am a child of the king? Because children of kings are not, they're not, you know, they're not mediocre. People know them. Or some of you say, Femi, I know this, but I simply lack the power to not adopt any of these views. And as I want to close this, I want us to think through how Jesus not only just tells us what to do or what we shouldn't do, he gives us the basis and the power for doing so. He gives us the basis and the power for doing so. If I ask the question, if I say, Shino, if I said, Shino, what's the time? And Shino will probably say, Femi, it's quarter to 11. Right? If Shino says that, the answer to that question is really in terms of he's using a quantifiable way of thinking. So Chino will be saying, Femi, the, answer, the, the time is quarter to 11. You can measure the time. Now, in the Greeks would call that chronos, as we see in verse um, 33. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. That's chronos. Now, but if a black American was around here, and I can't do this very well, but if a black American says, you better know what time it is. Okay, I know I didn't say it very well. Whatever. All right. What is he saying? If he says, you better know what time it is. Or it's about that time. What is he saying? He's not telling you about, well, it's now about that time, about 12 o'clock. He's saying time for something to go down. Or time for a particular event to happen. That, the Greeks, will call kairos. Now, Jesus, when he said that, I am not going to the feast because my time has not fully come. It what there was Kairos. Now, we understand that in two ways. Jesus' time to go to the feast, he eventually did go to the feast and he talked with people there. He said many things from verse 14 to verse 39. But later, if you look in that time, in that 14 to 39, when he was discussing with these people, eventually he says, there's another Kairos a, a more fuller kairos, in fact, more specific that he calls it his hour in verse 30. He says, and this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. This hour thing is 
a repeated thing that we see in the book of John. So, for instance, in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 4, it says, Woman, talking to his mother, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. 8, verse 20, He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one sees him because his hour had not yet come. 12, verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 12, 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this Ah, what is this ah? Because Jesus is saying, on the one hand, I can think to be saved from this ah. Eventually, the hour, because the hour did come, the hour was the time when this so-called famous Jesus was now seen publicly in Jerusalem, but he was seen publicly not as a famous person, but as an infamous criminal. Jesus now was put on the cross, on display. A criminal was exchanged for him, someone that caused an insurrection, and now he was put on the cross. The most shameful way to be killed during that period of time. If you and I think about this, if we truly see fame as being recognized by the people who matter, and being recognized by a large number of people, then... To be the most famous person in the world is to be recognized by God, isn't it? But the funny thing is that all are lost for fame for its sake or are not are inability to handle fame well makes us recognized by God but not famous but infamous before God. And really to be a Christian is this and listen to me very closely. To be a Christian is to be recognized by God in Jesus Christ. Is to say that because of my infamy before God, Jesus became infamous on my own sake. So that when I believe in him, I can become famous. Not famous necessarily for people to see, but famous before God. Because he was made to be sin who knew no sin. That we may become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ went in the ignominy of the cross, the death on the cross, so that God can favorably be disposed towards us. You know what that does? It means that we now have fame with the one that truly matters alone. That is God. And that's the gospel. This works out amazingly in our life. It frees us from the tyranny of living for others' opinion because we now have a secure identity in Christ. So, what if you are not a famous person here? What if you have no influence, no power whatsoever? You've always worked for people. You've always been the dark sheep in the family. What if you are not famous? Fine. Because you have fame with God. And what if you are the kind of person that does have influence, that does have some kind of fame? You see, the good thing is since you don't obtain your value from what people say, it means that you will then use the influence and the power that God has given you. You will be free to use it for the good of people and not in a way to serve yourself. But at the same time, what if that fame goes away? 
What if like two-faced, all of a sudden the people turn against you and their opinions change? Well, guess what? You will not be crushed by it because you never built your value on the thing, on the opinions of what others say. This is what Christianity offers to us. Neither says fame is terrible, nor fame is fantastic. Whether you are famous or not famous, the most important thing is this. Are you famous with God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you minister to us. We thank you for how you help us to think through the issues that we face in this world and showing us how Jesus is always the answer. But not just Jesus in a superficial way. We had to know him as the son of God who died for our sins and risen again. As it says that after this death, Jesus was eventually glorified. He was glorified and now he's given a name above which no other name can come above. That name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he alone is Lord. We see him and now we see ourselves. We thank you for the freedom of knowing him. Of not forming our own opinion, our, our identity based on what people say. And the freedom that comes with being able to do good for the sake of others and not to feed into our own, our own brand. Help us, O oh Lord God, as we think deeply about this. We pray that your spirit will be there to make Jesus famous to us so that we derive our own fame in him. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus Love people, love Lagos.